Happy Sabbath. Once again, it is 2021. And I'm praising the Lord because it is a brand new year. And man, that's good enough for me to praise the Lord. Isaiah says somewhere, behold, I will do a new thing. God intends to do new things in your life. That is why years are renewed. And that is why days are renewed. That is why weeks are renewed because God is interested in renewal. You might feel old right now, but God can renew your situation, your status, and your place. It is a new year and I'm excited because it means we are beginning a new series. And I'm basing this series on different parts of scripture, but I'm calling it Make the move. Make the move. You're going to understand in a bit what I mean by make the move. But I want you to join with me in John chapter number 2. And I want to read from chapter, from verse 1 to verse number 12. It's a story we know. But I'm never afraid to preach from certain passages that are already known because the beauty of the word of God is this. We can draw new water from an old well. Amen, somebody. We can get something new from something that is old. And so your situation may not necessarily need to change, but your perspective may need to change. John chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were, check this, invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were there set six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20, 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill these water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And Jesus said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And they took it. The sermon today is entitled, The Miracle is in the Move. Continue to read. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to the bridegroom, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. A small place. And manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went to Carpenham. He, his mother, his brothers, his disciples, and they did not stay there many 
days. The miracle is in the move. The miracle is in the move. That is a subject I've chosen uh, to contemplate this morning under the, the series Make the Move. The miracle is in the move. Let us pray. Mighty God, we are grateful. It's 2021. It is my utmost desire that you would download in our spirit your power and your grace. And I ask you that you would elevate this weekly occurrence and transform it into a supernatural encounter with you. That we get to feel you, we get to know you, and we get to love you better today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Emotion sensor is a device that when it detects motion, it will, it will react to that motion. If motion is detected nearby, the device will automatically perform an action. Or it will alert someone of what is going on. You see, a motion detector is crucial for security. A motion detector is crucial for light control. A motion detector is crucial for home control, energy efficiency, and other useful systems. Check this out. The power of a motion detector is its ability to detect motion to perform an action. Without action, without motion, excuse me, there can be no action. I want that to settle in your system. You see, I believe that God functions like a motion detector. That is, if he does not see motion from us, he will not act. If he does not sense motion in us, whether that motion is physical, whether that motion is mental, whether that motion is intellectual, whether that motion is emotional, if he does not detect motion, God will not move. I'm suggesting to you that we need to learn to make the move so that God can detect the move and he can perform the action in which the move desires to achieve. Unless you and I are willing to move, Frankie, Unless you and I are willing to move, Mark, God will not move. Elder Evil, God will not move unless you and I are willing to move. Alfred Adler said it well. And listen to how he said it. Trust only movement. Life happens at events, not in words. Trust a movement. Unless you and I move, God will not move. If you want to live the life that you desire to live, 
You will need to learn to move. You will need to learn to decide to take certain actions. You need to learn to make certain moves that will take you from one location to another situation. You need to learn how to transfer your perspective from a judgmental perspective into a grace perspective. You will need to shift in how you approach people. You need to shift in how you approach work if you will see God move in your life. I do not know how you are moving in 2020, but I'm here to suggest to you that in 2021, you will need to move just a little bit differently if you want God to move in your life differently. We have been praying. We've been asking God to do things. But God is saying sometimes, your praying is good, but it's too much. Your fasting is good, but it's too much. Your asking for advice is good, but it is too much. Your planning is good, but it is too much. Sometimes God simply needs you to take a step. Jesus takes a move. He has been in Judea, but now he decides to transport himself from Judea to Cana of Galilee. When he gets to Cana of Galilee, this little town, this little village located about eight kilometers from uh, uh, Carpenum or the Sea of Galilee, there Jesus is, in, is invited to a wedding. The text says that after three days or on the third day, there was a, a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. The mother of Jesus was present and Jesus was invited to go to this particular wedding. I attended um, a Christmas lunch last week. And a friend of mine invited us running buddies to just go and have a good time with him and to celebrate Christmas together. And I made my, my effort to go to the uh, uh, celebration and we were there together. But he remarked to me, he says, hey, Henry, I was expecting that more people would come because, look, here I am. I have prepared all of this food and my friends that I had invited, some had confirmed that they would come. They're not here at the party. And I, I, I said to him, did they let you know why they could not come? He says, yes, so-and-so had to, tra to travel to Georgia, so-and-so had to go to this other place. And, and I said, ah, okay, that, that makes sense. You know, they had something else to do. But they had been invited, they had said yes, but they did not honor the invitation. And the one who was inviting was sad because he had prepared, yet the people that he prepared for were not there at the celebration. And so Jesus is invited to the wedding. And he understood in his time that a wedding, be, to be invited at a wedding was an important thing. And therefore, Jesus did not, not want to honor the wedding invitation. Jesus wanted to make sure that he was there because he understood that if he did not go to the wedding, it would be a slap in the face. Here is God, one who was there before the creation of the world, one who is above and beyond each and every one of us, but he honors a human invitation to go to a party. 
You would think that Jesus would not like to have a good time. Jesus would not like to go to such things. But I have learned that Jesus is not after separation. Jesus is after interaction. Holiness does not mean separation. It simply means that you live your life in such a way that even though you interact with people, you still maintain who you are. And I love the fact that here Jesus, the Son of God, one who has been there before the creation of the world. In fact, let me tell it to you. In John chapter 1, verse number 1, the Word of God says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice how verse number 1 puts it. The mother of Jesus was there. When we read in John chapter 1, we see that Jesus was there before the creation of the world. And here his mother is there at the wedding. I want you to see that Jesus and uh, his mother, they share a similarity right here. Before the creation of the world, Jesus was there, meaning that he was an important individual, meaning that he was there present. He did not need to be invited. The mother of Jesus does not need to be invited. She is there at the wedding. But Jesus needs to be invited because he no longer lives by a heavenly status. He lives by an earthly status. But this is not a demotion of Jesus that he could not simply be there like his mother. But it means that those who were at the wedding, the bride and the groom, they thought we need to make sure that one guest needs to be here and that that guest is Jesus Christ. I, I want to believe that Jesus could have told his mother, Mother, you're going to a wedding? I will go with you. But Jesus would not barge. Jesus will not crash the party. Jesus needs to be invited. Allow me to bring something that you need to take with you at home uh, at, at th this morning. That is this. Jesus will not force himself into our lives. We must invite him. There needs to be a move that we make to allow Jesus to enter our space. There needs to be a move that we make to allow Jesus to enter our place. There needs to be a move that we make to allow Jesus to enter our families. It so happens that Jesus is knocking at the door, but he'll never barge into the door. He'll never kick down at the door. He wants to make sure that you hear the bell, that it is him calling, and that you open the door. And I'm here to tell you that the first move you have to make in 2021 is that you need to invite Jesus into your life. Now check this, Jesus is invited at a wedding, that is a highlight. Many of us, we like to invite Jesus in the low moments. When we lose a job, Jesus, I need you. When the marriage is not working, there are troubles at home, Jesus, I, I need you. When you are fired, Jesus, I need you. When you are sick, Jesus, please come. But I'm suggesting that we need to do a paradigm shift today. When you have gotten the bonus, you need to invite Jesus at that time. When you have gotten the proposal and you're about to be married, you need to invite Jesus at that time. When things are on a high, you need to invite Jesus at that time. And I'm so glad that 
that these, this couple thought, this is the highlight of our life. We need to make sure that Jesus is right here. Brother and sister, that is the thing that is required if you're going to live a life of faith. That is, Jesus, you should be here because you are that important. Oh yes, Jesus will not barge in. Jesus needs to be, to be invited. Now you see, Jewish weddings took about seven days to celebrate. Many of us, we go to church and, uh, on, on either Sunday morning and, and, and the pastor preaches. And after the pastor preaches, you know, we do the church ceremony. And then we, in the afternoon, we, we go and have a wedding party. And that's done. You know, it's finished. As we say locally, Suda Selesai. It's over. But in the time of Jesus, a wedding took more than seven days. And it was imperative that the bride and the groom would plan for a long, protracted wedding celebration. They, need to make sh they needed to make sure that there was a free flow of food and wine. There could never be a situation in which there was bottoms up. There would never be a situation in which anything ran out. So it was very important that plans were put in place to ensure that there were adequate resources uh, to meet the, 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 the challenge. And one of the most important uh, wedding resources was wine. There could not be a wedding without wine. That's like saying to have a wedding without a wedding cake. And so this wedding is, is, is taking place. And by the way, this wedding was actually a relative of, of, of Jesus who was getting married. We don't really know who the relative was. Maybe it was Jesus' other cousin. Maybe it was somebody. But it was a relative of Jesus. That is why the mother of Jesus was there. And so it is important to make sure that this wedding is, is going on. And, and Jesus is there celebrating with his family members. Helping us to understand that there's nothing wrong with celebrating. We need to be there in the highlights of other people's lives. And so his mother, not his mother, but the, the storyteller helps us to see something that the wine ran out. Here is the crisis in this situation, that the wine has run out. In other words, the most important resource, the thing that is needed the most, is not available to meet the demands of the occasion. That is, they don't have this important resources. In fact, when it, the, the, the verb says the, the, the wine ran out, it is a verb that means to plan for a situation, but still failure occurs. That is, you plan for a situation, but failure still occurs. And I'm here to tell you something th 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 this morning, and that is that sometimes you can plan for something, but your resources resources may still run out. I'm not sure what's happening with the, with the clicker. It's not, it's, not, it's not moving yet. Sometimes you may plan for something, but it does not mean that your resources will not run out. Listen to me carefully. That wine is a, is a resource in this particular passage. Uh, team, kindly help me. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening with this, 
with this clicker. It's, it's not moving. You know what I mean? But I, I, I'm never, I'm never flustered by things not moving. Just get the clicker right here, my brother Mark, and help me out. Just, 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 just sort that out. You see, wine is a resource that makes something work. Follow what I'm saying. You see, wine was a resource necessary for the celebration to take place. It was a resource that was to help them in their season of celebration. But though they have planned for it, though they have thought it out, yet in the middle of the celebration, their resource ran out. Yes, you can plan for the money, but the money doesn't take you to the end of the month. Yes, you can plan for your employees to stick around, but yet they decide to leave. Yes, you can plan for your car to carry you for a few more months, but yet your car breaks down and you need a resource. God bless you, Mark. Can we say, uh, 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 can we say th thank you, my brother? You can plan for it. You can plan for things. You can put things in place, but yet they're not there. And some of us are in a situation like that, that we have planned for a particular resource to last for a certain period, but in the middle of the action, in the middle of the situation, it runs out. It's like you are at home cooking your food. You are there making your beef rendang or your nasi goreng or your soto ayam, whatever your favorite dish is. But as you are in the middle of cooking it, you're right there in the middle, the gas runs out. No more resource. And sometimes in life it is like that, that our resources run out. Our time runs out. You just don't have enough time to get the assignment done. You just don't have enough time to spend with your friends and your family. You don't have enough time to do this and to do, to do that. Sometimes our energy it runs out. We're just tired, flat out, and we, can, we cannot move. I want you to know that your plan may not stop the resource from running out. And that is what it means to be human. That we are limited. That we have a disability. That we don't have every, we don't have a, we don't have a, a, a limitless resource. Sometimes our resources are limited and perhaps your resources are limited. You don't know where to live. You don't know where you're going to work. You don't know how you're going to make it. But I'm here to tell you that that is a situation that is common. And here in this particular story, we have a situation which resources run out. It so happens that to run out of wine, Frankie, was a social catastrophe. Because in their culture, reciprocity was important. In other words, you do for me, I do for you. Now you see, in their time, when you visited, a, when you went to a wedding party, you expected to eat and, and to really enjoy yourself. So when people came to your wedding, they expected for your wedding to have those resources so that they can enjoy. In fact, a, a, a groom whose wine ran out was considered a thief because he had robbed his friends of a celebration. Can you see what is happening in the heart of the groom knowing that he doesn't have a wine, he doesn't have resource? Knowing that his guests are going to be disappointed. 
And his resource has run out, not because he is spending the resource on himself. It has run out because he has been investing his resource in other people. That sometimes the things that run out is because we are not being selfish about our resources, but we are spending them on those around us, but it runs out. But I want you to imagine that these people did not empathize with this groom. They did not say, oh, we are sorry that the wine ran out. We are going to, how can we help you? Should we go to this place and that place? They didn't look at it like that. They were starting to criticize him. You know, I knew that this wedding wasn't going to work out anyway because I told him, hey, bro, do not rush into getting married because you don't have all the resources. And you see what is happening right here? He doesn't have the resources. So the very people that he was feeding, the very people that were drinking from his cup are now criticizing him. And so it happens that sometimes those we, whom we have provided for, those whom we have helped, will actually criticize us when what we've been giving them runs out. Some people are in your life because of your resources. And the moment your resources run out, the moment you have no more wine, they will whine and complain because they no longer see you as an advantage for them. They see you as a disadvantage for them. This was a social catastrophe of, 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 of magnitude because I just want you to understand that they did not have an Indomaret where they could go and buy more wine. They didn't have a Grand Lucky. They didn't have a Carrefour. They didn't have an, uh, a Super Indo. They didn't have any of these places where they could just go and buy. The process of making wine was complicated and took a long time. And so they're in a situation that they know they need to provide this resource, but they don't know where to get the resource. They don't know how they can produce the resource. Source. And it is like that, that sometimes you know that you have need. You know that you must provide the resource. But the question is, where do I get it? It's like having money and wanting to buy masks, but you can't find masks. You know how to get it, but you just know that you cannot get it. And so you need a miracle. You need someone else to step in to your situation in order to give you the resource that you need. Check this. You see, in order to produce wine, the process was long. First of all, you must produce the must. Number two, you must tread the grapes. Number three, you must press the remaining grapes. Number four, you must strain it. After you've strained the grapes, you must add water uh, to the skins of the, 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 the remaining skins and you'd make what we call a, 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 an inferior wine. After that, you must boil the must. After boiling the must, you must go through a first fermentation. After a first fermentation, you must go through a second fermentation. The process was long, and so they needed a miracle. They needed somebody to step in. And so listen to me carefully, that sometimes plant resources run out, and we simply need God to step in. Hallelujah, somebody.
We need God to come in because unless he comes in, the situation is not going to change. Unless he comes in, you're not going to see victory. Unless he comes in, you're not going to be able to climb the mountain. Unless he comes in, you are going to fail. And so the mother of Jesus comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, they have no wine. Nobody else saw this in Jesus, but the mother of Jesus saw in Jesus the ability that he had to provide the wine. I, and I love this. She comes to Jesus. She doesn't tell Jesus how to produce the wine, Frankie. She doesn't tell him, son, I want you to go to Galilee. You're going to find a corner. Go on street Galilee. And you're going to find house number five. And in house number five, there's going to be uh, jo jo Jonathan. And when you knock on Jonathan's house, he's going to show you how to get the wine. And we're going to be okay. She didn't tell Jesus what to do. She presented to Jesus the problem. She presented to Jesus her situation. And she allowed him uh, to decide in how he is going to work out. Our task is never to ask God for how he should perform the miracle. Our task is to ask God to tell God precisely what we need him to do. And what I mean by that is you tell God what your issue is, but you do not tell God how he should issue the a solution. Hallelujah, somebody. That is, I go to God. Lord, I need money. Lord, I'm sick. Lord, I'm troubled. Tell God what it is, but allow God to be the one to dictate the means in which you will get your miracle. Hallelujah, somebody. Perhaps you don't have wine right now. Perhaps you don't have a resource right now. Just ask God for it. Just tell him, Lord, this is what I need. And what I love about this is that, Frankie, she did not ask for wine for herself. She didn't ask for wine for herself. She asked wine on behalf of someone else. She herself could not provide the wine. So therefore, she was the conduit. <laughs> she was the highway to Jesus. Because she, as the mother of Jesus, had a relationship. Oh, brother, let me bring it to you. You might be the means. You might be the highway in which you can ask a miracle on behalf of somebody else. Somebody may not know God like you do. Somebody may not pray to God like you do. Somebody may not worship God like you do. But you can see that they need help. You might not be able to help, but you know who can help. And so I love the mother of Jesus. She says, I can't help, but I'm going to go to the one who can help and so we can be the channel in whom we can be a blessing to other people they may not have wine you may not have wine but you know who can give wine and so she goes uh, to Jesus to ask for wine she looked at Jesus she looked at Jesus as one who was able and capable and I love the fact that she does not ask the wine from a place of deficiency. She asked from a place of deposit. She did not ask for the wine from a place of deficiency. She asked for the wine from a place of deposit. Our oh, pastor, tell us what you mean, deposit. See, she, Jesus was there at the party. That he was present in the circumstance. He was there when the party started.
He was there when the situation was going on. And so when there was a time of deficiency, she was able to ask from him because she had put, she had deposited into the relationship with God. Therefore, because she had deposited into the relationship with God, she was able to make a withdrawal from the deposit in which she was making. You cannot come to God and ask him to do things for you when you have not been depositing into the relationship. If you join our Truth Decoded this morning, Elder Reeve put it beautifully. He was helping us to understand that we need to have this connection with God. We need not to focus on rituals. We need to focus on relationship to have that connection because God desires to connect with us. How does it feel? That somebody comes to you to ask for money but never checks on you. You feel like somebody is simply withdrawing from you when they have not made a deposit. And so we need to learn that when we go before God, we should not ask from a place of deposit. We need to ask from a place of deficiency. We need to ask from a place of deposit. That doesn't mean that you need to bring money to God. It doesn't mean that you need to be righteous. That's not what I'm talking about. It means that you are willing to invest in God on a daily basis. It means that you're willing to spend time with God in prayer, to spend time with God in the study of the word, to spend time contributing to the kingdom of God. What that means is, Lord, how am I going to live 2020? What is it that I need to do for you and for your kingdom? What is it that I need to do to contribute better to the church? It so happens that some of us, we simply go to work, we make money, we go on vacation, but when was the last time we contributed to the kingdom of God? When was the last time that we gave back to God? Because when you're depositing into the relationship, then you can withdraw, not from a place of deficiency, but from a place of deposit. And when you're deficient, God can deposit back into you. And so she asked from a place of deposit. We need to make relational deposit with God. We need to, to invest into God. Now, now, now notice, Jesus gets the request. It was a withdrawal request. And this is what he says to his mother. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now in our culture, we, we hear Jesus address a mother, his mother, by calling her a woman. That makes us feel, it's like Jesus is disrespecting his own mother. But no, Jesus did not disrespect his mother because... In Matthew 15, verse number 28, Jesus says to a woman who comes to him wanting help for her daughter, he says to her, woman, your faith is great. <laughs> woman, your faith is great. And so there is no reason for us to think that Jesus disrespected his mother. But what Jesus did do, though, is that he realigned the relationship. That is, he wanted his mother to understand that family does not, does not dispose of faith obligations. I'm coming. 
You see, she came to Jesus, Frankie. I am your mother. This is your family. Please do something for them. Jesus says, I am your son. This is my family. But I don't live by the obligations of my family alone. I live by the obligations of God. And even though you are my mother, even though I am your son, you need to understand that I'm not simply your son, I'm the son of man. So every woman in, 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 in Palestine, every woman in Indonesia, every woman in Africa, every woman in America can approach me the same way. There is no difference. And therefore, I need you to understand that our relationship cannot make you jump in front of the line for me to do miracles for you. And that's good news this morning. It doesn't matter if you're not a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're not a church leader. All of us are on the same level, and that is the gospel. All of us can go to God. A, a brother told me this week, and it revolutionized my mind. He told me, Pastor, there is a reason why I don't come to you for prayer. Not because I don't want your prayer, but I believe that my prayer has power I believe that when I pray God hears my prayer and so we need to understand that Jesus treats all of us the same we are all on on equal ground and so he's telling his mother you are on equal ground with me he's not saying no I cannot do the, what you're asking me because there is a genuine need. There is a resource that needs to be filled. But I need you to understand that I will not fulfill this request based upon our relationship. Mother, son. I need us to fulfill this request based on our master and your servant. You see, here is something I need to just throw at you. It's a practical tip. One of the things you need to learn is to realign some relationships in your life. What that means is you will need to consider carefully how you define the relationship. Because when you properly define the relationship, then you will avoid unnecessary disappointment and unmet uh, expectations. And that's what Jesus Christ is doing right here. He is setting a boundary. He is putting a fence. He's saying, Mother, I love you. Mother, you brought me into this world. Mother, hallelujah, and I'm so grateful for you. But please know that I have demands of a higher calling. And I believe that if we can learn, hey, Jesus was never rude, but Jesus was very clear about who he was, that he didn't live simply for people around him. He lived for his heavenly father. And in 2021, one of the things that I think that many of us will need to learn is to be able to tell even our husbands, even our wives, even our children, even our relationships, whoever they are, you need to be able to let them know, hey, 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 right here, it ain't going to work like that because you understand that you are living for somebody greater. You're living for somebody higher. And unless we are willing to do that, to deposit into our relationship with God that he is first best and last in everything then God cannot do the things that we're asking him to do and so hear me carefully God is not willing to move unless it's in line with his timing and that's what Jesus is telling his mother mother I have a time schedule I have a purpose I have a mission and I'm not going to allow you to make your your crisis my crisis I'm not going to make your urgency my urgency. 
you are not going to fluster me. Uh-uh. It's not going to, to work that way because I am moving under a specific time plan. And if we can learn to respect time, then we'll see how God moves. Then we'll see his power and his grace in our lives. Maybe that's a sermon for another day. But, but, but here is why I know that Jesus did not respect his mother, disrespect his mother. Because his mother tells the servants, he, he tells them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. These are the only, no, this is not the only words of, of the mother of Jesus. But this, this is one of the most significant statements. And the most significant statement of the mother of Jesus is, and she's learning this, that whatever Jesus says, you got to do. This, this is a, this is like, this is like, mm, this is revolutionary because she gives us the secret to seeing God working in our lives. She says to, 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 to the servants that whatever Jesus says to you, you have to do it. It's not how you feel about how Jesus says it, but whatever he says to you, you have to do it. Because she understood that the, 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 to, in order to see the miracle happen, there had to be an, an obedience to who he was. So the story says that there were water pots that were organized. Now the, the, the miracle is about to take place. There were water pots that were organized. In fact, it says six water pots were organized. And these six water pots were organized according to the purification of the Jews. These were used when, when Jews would come home or when they would move around, they, they would come home and they would cleanse themselves because this was important for them to be spiritually pure. And so Jesus Jesus does not does something that is unexpected right here because wine was kept in wineskins Frankie but here Jesus is focusing on water pots already telling us something that is Jesus is about to do something that is very unique now watch this water that was put in the purification pots needed to come from a spring. It needed to come from a flowing spring. And because it was flowing from a spring, they consider that living water. Mm -mm -mm, I'm coming. And so what it means is that when Jesus says to the servants, fill this water pot, it means that they had to leave the wedding party and find a spring nearby to collect this water in order to fill it in. What that means is they had to make an effort based upon what Jesus had said. Jesus said, fill this water pot. Go and find the raw resource. Go and find this raw resource so that I can utilize. And so I don't know how far it was from the house, but they went to find this resource and they, 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 they brought it. And let me just put it out there that sometimes we're asking God to do stuff for us and he's willing to do stuff for us. But he'll ask us sometimes, what are you bringing to the table? Now here the, the text says that, and he said to them, draw out some of the water. And take it to the master of the feast. And the text says they took it. And then we read further that when they, 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 they took the, 
the water, they brought it to the master of the feast. And the text says that when the master of the feast had, had, had tasted, he had tasted. Notice what it says. Uh, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. Now, now, now I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about you, but I'm really com confused about what is happening right here. When did Jesus turn the water into wine? When did the transformation occur from water to wine? Was it the time when they filled the water jars? Was it the time when they took out the water uh, to the feast? Was it the time when the mass of the feast tasted the water? The text is not so concerned about what happened in changing the water to wine. The text is concerned in the movement that the servants did. And because of the movement that the servants did, it activated the miracle. The miracle is in the move. Unless there is movement, unless there is movement based upon the direction of Jesus, there can be no miracle. And so these brothers, they did what you and I should do. That we do not live by our own directions. That we do not live by our own planning. But we live based upon the directions of the word of Jesus. It so happens that one writer says, faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of God. I don't know if it were you. Jesus says, draw out some water. And you draw out water and it is still water. And Jesus says, take it to the master of the feast. And you still see water. Would you take it? Would you not think to yourself, when I get there, will not the master of the feast tell me, hey, why have you brought me water when I'm looking for wine? But I'm glad that the servants, they listened to the word of the master. And they did 100% of what he said. Not 90%, not 80%. 100% what he said. And as they took the move, they saw God activate the miracle. The miracle is in the move. If you want to see God act miraculously in your life, you will need to move. You will need to take action. You will need to move in a different direction. The Bible says when the lepers met Jesus, it says as they went, they were cleansed. They could have told Jesus, Jesus, we are not yet cleansed yet. Jesus, we don't see ourselves whole yet. But they did not debate with Jesus. They followed the directions of Jesus. And so as they went, they were cleansed. And so they took action and they were, they were blessed. And so you will need to take action. What are the movements you need to make right now to see God work in your life? Remember the sensor. Unless God can sense movement in you, he cannot activate the miracle. You want God to bless your relationship what moves are you making for God to bless your relationship? You want God to give you health? What are the movements you are making for God to give you health? 
You want God to grow your financial portfolio? What are the movements you are making that God can sense that this person is absolutely serious about me wanting to activate in their life? As they went, God activated a miracle. As the servant brought that, that water, God activated the miracle. You might tell me, Pastor, I have no capability to move. I have no capability to take action. I am stuck. My bank account, croissant. I am stuck. Zero zilch. I don't have energy to move. And I bring you to the story of the man paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus comes to him. And he, the, 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 the verse says, he was waiting for the moving of water. But Jesus says, do not focus on the moving of water. He asked him a very clear question. He says, do you want to be made well? He's like, Lord, the, the water. No, no. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? I know you cannot move to the water, but do you want to be made well? And the Bible says, and, and, and the next thing is that, gee, it doesn't tell us whether the man said, yes, I want to be made whole. I'm not sure. I have to double check it. But what we know is that Jesus says to the man, who cannot move? Who is disabled? He says to him, pick up your bed and walk. What Jesus wanted you and me to understand is that inability to move is not disability to move. I'm coming. Jesus wanted us to understand that the movement is not physical. The movement is spiritual. It is your faith that matters. It is your mind that matters. To hold on to the word of God. To hold on with dear life and say, Lord, you said it. I will believe it. You said I shouldn't be afraid. I will not be afraid. You said I should not worry. I should not worry. You said I'm to be courageous. I'll be courageous. And so faith is not necessarily how you feel. Faith is, is, is based upon the word of God. You see, faith is like a car. If you don't have an engine, it will not move. Your miracle is like a car. If you don't have the faith engine, it will not move. You will need to activate your faith. You will need to believe. You will need to trust God. And when you do that, God is truly going to bless you. I don't have a lot of time today. I don't know why. But here is how I want you to, put, to, to, to understand. You should move on the word of God in spite of how you feel. Your emotions may speak against your faith. Your emotions may debate against your faith. Your emotions may write a blog against your faith, but it don't matter. Because we don't live by, by emotions. We live by motion based and built upon the word of God. You see here, I love what David says. He says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I will praise your word. Can you, can you see that? David is saying, I feel afraid. But I will make a decided decision to trust God. And I don't trust God because of what I'm seeing. I trust God because of what I'm hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and the word of God. And therefore, I will live my life based upon what God says, not how I feel it. You see, courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of a higher fear. I am more afraid not to believe in what God says than for me to be afraid. I'm more afraid not to, to move as God tells me to move than to stay in this situation. And so you may be afraid. You may not feel like it, but you need to be motivated 
motivated by a higher fear because when a higher fear motivates you, it will catapult you into a higher place. I don't have a lot of time, but this miracle happened in Cana of Galilee. Cana of Galilee is not well known. In fact, it is mentioned three times in, in Scripture, all only in the book of John. Uh, and the point is this, wherever you allow Jesus to operate, he was going to operate. You might be small, you might be insignificant, but if you allow Jesus to operate, believe you me, you're going to see amazing things happen in your life. And here is where we see that in a very small place, in, a, in an insignificant place, the Bible says it was the beginning of signs. It was the beginning of miracles. God telling you and I that in a small place, God can do wonderful things. But I just want you to see one thing. They say, the text says, because of this miracle, it led the disciples to believe in Jesus more. And the point is this, the miracle should lead to the master. When God has performed and worked in your life, the miracle should lead to the master. Uh, one day I'm walking on campus back in college, and I'm, I'm just walking, going somewhere. I meet a friend of mine. I've never really spoken to him, but he comes to me and says, Hey, uh, Henry, I, I need money. Do you, do you have money? I just need 100 pesos. That's something like 30,000 rupiah. I just need 100 pesos. Can you help a brother out? I said, ah, Okay, I got 100, 100 pesos. And I gave him 100 pesos, and I went about my way for me it was a small amount of money nothing so big but the next day my friend knocked on my door he says hey Henry how you doing I just want to say thank you for what you did how are you doing and 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 that simple action made him and I good friends. That simple action that I helped him with money when he needed money, and he told me, bro, I was broke. I didn't know where I'd get money. You were my salvation that day, and I'm so grateful that you blessed me. That action right there led him and I to be the best of friends, and today we are, we are still the best of friends. The point is this. God doesn't want to do miracles in your life for the purpose of the miracle. God is interested in you. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And so whatever miracle God is performing in your life is because God wants you to understand that he loves you too much. I just want to come back to the water jars for a second. Because these water jars were important, because the miracle led the disciples to believe in Jesus even more. Because when Jesus finished performing the miracle, according to my research, he, he turned about 678 liters of water to wine. That's an abundant supply of wine. You see, it was a mistake of the bridegroom not to plan for enough resources. But Jesus teaches us that in spite of our failures, he can give such an abundant supply that he can cover our mistakes. And when the disciples are able to see that even though we may make mistakes, even though we may fail, even though things may, may not go all right, but Jesus will produce a miracle that will cover my mistakes. Therefore, this is a person I can believe in. This is a person I can love. And that is why the disciples believed more in Jesus. And I want you to understand this morning that you have made, you may have made mistakes, you have my messed up, but God's grace is so abundant for you that God is not going to 
criticize you. God is not going to put you down. God wants to connect with you. He wants to be in love with you. He wants you and him to have a relationship. And he's telling us today that I have ability to provide what you need. I have abundant grace for your sins. I have abundant grace for your challenges. I have abundant grace for whatever mistakes you have made. Today all I need you to do is to make a move to come to me. Because when you make a move to come to me, you're going to see a miracle in your life. The miracle is in the move. Somebody today needs to move closer to Jesus. Somebody today needs to say, Lord, I will trust you. I will follow you. I will go anywhere you tell me. Today, Lord, I am yours because your grace is sufficient for me. There's another reason why Jesus turned water into wine. Because of the, the Jews were so focused on self righteousness purifying themselves but the reason why Jesus says I'm going to turn water into wine and in this wine representing his blood in the future is to tell you and I that it is not outward cleansing that we need we need to drink his wine for inner spiritual cleansing and Lord knows I'm speaking to somebody I'm speaking to myself that I need spiritual cleansing I need God to change me from inside I need to drink the wine that he can provide. It so happens that the, the master of the bride of the party and the bridegroom didn't know where the miracle came from. They didn't know. They didn't know that it was Jesus who activated the miracle. Could it be that we don't know God's power in our lives? We are clueless to his power. But today you and I can decide to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to be clueless. I'm going to recognize that the power is in Jesus, that he can change my life, and therefore I'm going to make a move to him. The miracle is in the move. The miracle is in the move. Somebody needs to make a move for Jesus. Somebody needs to draw closer to Jesus. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We appreciate your love and your mercy. We can see that the miracle is in the move. And Lord, some of us need to make a move to you. And in 2020, 2021, we want to make a move to you. Lord, help us. Give us your grace. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.